Welcome to Two Chicks, Three Seats, the podcast that takes a look at the hospitality industry's hottest topics. Two Chicks, Three Seats is hosted by Kate Kennedy and Rachel Calkins and is brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader in event management software. Find out more about Triple Seat at TripleSeat.com. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats. Last week, Triple Seat hosted a virtual panel called What Event Planners Want from Your Venue, which we're going to recap for today's episode. So the panel included three wonderful panelists who are all event planners. We had Christy Allen, who's the VP slash Senior Manager of Events at Alliance Bernstein, based out of Nashville. May Miller, who's the co-founder and VP of Client Services at The New Normal, and she's based out of Boston. And then we had Natalie Thomas, who is the co-founder of MTG Hospitality, based out of Washington, D.C. So event planners from everywhere, got a little perspective from all of them for the panel, which was awesome. So you may have heard that panel in real time, but in case you missed it, we're going to be discussing what these planners have been looking for in venues, how the event booking process is going right now, how they're finding venues and much more for both corporate and social events. Awesome. So I guess first let's talk about what the panelists said about finding venues to host events. And if you're a planner who's listening now, then you can start by doing the same things they are if you're not already, obviously. And then if you work for a venue, then you can start by getting yourself into the places these planners um, have been looking themselves. So the first one was leaning into their their personal networks. So contacts that they've worked with at hotels and venues in the past have been key resources in finding locations for upcoming events, which may sound obvious, but sometimes it's not so obvious. So make sure that you're keeping those relationships um, with these planners that you've worked with in the past so that they'll think about you and you'll be top of mind like moving forward. Um, Vendor partners have also been helpful contacts because these vendors are are also looking um, to get their services back into venues for events because of COVID, they're all struggling. So um, vendors are, are a great resource as well. And then, of course, industry friends have been very helpful sources of information, especially city by city, as the event regulations change drastically by location. So just keeping, you know, your friends close. (laughs) They're not your enemies. They're your friends. Um, And then the second point was heavily utilizing the resources of CVBs and DMCs. Um, So CVBs are convention and visitor bureaus, and DMCs are destination management companies. So for those of you that don't already know, both of these organizations are fantastic resources for destination information in areas that you may be unfamiliar with. So although the ultimate goal of Both of these organizations is to provide event professionals with the resources they need to execute successful events. They are different in some ways. CVBs are usually membership driven. So there is a cost to being a part of them um, as a venue. So they're not for profit and they work to represent local area hotels, convention centers, venues, restaurants, and like other types of tourism related industries. And they're known to have like a vast database of potential vendors. Um, So it's great to get your venue listed and to become, you know, close and get friendly with um, your local DMCs. So um, I'm sorry, CVBs. (laughs) DMCs are more for-profit professional service companies, and they have extensive local knowledge and resources. So they are more known to focus on developing like stronger relationships with select vendors 
and they've definitely vetted these vendors personally. So um, you got to be at your t- the top of your game in order for a DMC to be willing to promote you. And DMCs contract with vendors directly and venues directly. So, um, and they're able to handle, they're also able to handle on-site logistics if necessary. So planners do like to work with DMCs a lot of times because they can handle a lot of the things that they don't have time to handle. And many times like these accredited DMCs are members of their local CVBs. So they kind of go hand in hand. And it's really easy to find, um, if you don't already know, to find your like local CVBs and DMCs by just Googling. Googling your area. Um, there's a ton. So it's definitely worth doing that in, um, and finding some that are worth connecting with or just connect with all of them. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I got a whole CVP <clears throat> and DMC education from listening to the panel. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. They, I know because they're huge resources and I think a lot of venues just like overlook them um, right. and think maybe there aren't any in their area, but they're everywhere. Right. So definitely right. worth it. Yeah. Sounds like an awesome <clears throat> resource. So moving on to some of the common event styles that have been happening at this point in 2021. So among the panel, all three panelists have been working in some form to look at in-person events. So first and foremost, in-person events, they're on the horizon. We've talked about this in the past on past episodes, but they're making that comeback. But then they've also been working on hybrid and virtual events as well, still as we're not fully, you know, in the clear for like the huge events quite yet, but getting there. So on the social side, to break it down, social versus corporate. So social side, Natalie Thomas, we've talked about her on the podcast before, and she was actually a guest, but she's been doing minimonies and micro weddings throughout the pandemic with up to 50 guests at her outdoor venue in Washington, D.C. So she gave us a perspective as the venue and as the planner, because she represents both in her role. Um, So she's been working on weddings, and we'll get into more detail about some things that she talked about for how those have been going. Um, May Miller had also been working on weddings. She actually did a hybrid wedding. So they had a group that was in person, a smaller group, but then they also had a situation where you could stream it and the rest of the group was tuning in virtually. So Mm -hmm. social events are doing the weddings. We have the virtual aspect as well. So a little combination of both. Wait, May, May did Marcus's wedding from Triple C. That was Marcus's wedding. She did? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, listeners. Marcus, who's a sales rep for Triple C, um, got married two weeks ago and May was his um like wedding planner. Oh, so I attended I attend we both attended the virtual we attended it virtually. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's why I knew she, I knew she, her name sounded familiar. Yeah, she was Marcus and Molly's wedding planner. Wait, that's so amazing. To May Miller. Yeah, <laughs> and to Marcus and Molly. Congratulations. <laughs> well, it was awesome. Oh my god, but that's so funny. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I know. Sorry. As you started, like you were talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Great. That's anyways. Great. We're, we're, yeah. Well, we hybrid <laughs> weddings are a thing, and we attended one. We yeah. didn't even realize it was. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was so awesome. So beautifully done. Um, yeah. Wow. What a funny. What a yeah. funny world. <laughs> <laughs> but then on to the corporate side, Christy Allen has been looking at in-person events for later in the year, but she hasn't had an in-person corporate event yet. But she has been doing virtual for her corporate side. Um, they've been doing some things where you don't like, it doesn't require much food and beverage, but they were working with, um, like snack kits to set up slash they were working with 
Grubhub and Uber Eats and like creating vouchers, (laughs) creating vouchers so that they can engage all the virtual attendees for the corporate event. And like everyone gets their food at the same time, you know, bring everyone together in some way. Um, On the panel, they were talking, they were looking for like local services, but sometimes it just gets easier to do like the national, like the bigger Uber Eats versus a smaller, a smaller local thing. But makes sense. But they're they looked at both. And then something else that was interesting that was mentioned for on the corporate side is that they're looking for different ways to increase employee engagement through activities on a virtual side. And I feel like we had talked about this a while ago with like holiday parties and how people were doing virtual holiday parties and figuring out how to engage employees that way. But it's still something that's been a trend. And I'm guessing it will continue if people end up keeping the remote workplace on the corporate side, which is people have been talking about that, how it's just maybe changing the way of the work lifestyle, but they were looking at just different ways that you could gather people together online, trying to get creative with having some element of like food, kind of similar to the snack boxes that got delivered because they really have to emphasize or incentivize people to get back online after work. So they, as planners, were just thinking of creative ways to get people virtually to come together for that corporate activity And then just another important point to note about these event styles is that although everyone across the panel is so excited to get back to the in-person events and have these big, huge gatherings again, they do still think that hybrid and virtual will stick around to some capacity. And I mean, we've gone over this in the past and everyone's just tired of hearing about virtual, but many corporate clients have been seeing how there's such a huge cost savings with travel without having the travel costs, lodging food to attend all these in-person events, conferences. So they could opt to, instead of sending their employees, if there's virtual aspects, then maybe looking at that option as well. And it also does give more flexibility, which is a pro to having a larger outreach for your virtual events. So people can be connecting from across the globe. We talked about conferences we've been to where there's people everywhere around the country and beyond uh, who are tuning in. It gives more flexibility with speakers on the corporate side. So, you know, someone doesn't have to travel on this midweek for this conference gives more flexibility for who you could have on your, on your speaker list. So, I mean, they definitely, everyone's looking forward to the events, but they all, they could, still be having, I mean, we're still going to see some virtual and hybrid. Um, yeah, I think for a while, right. I mean, yeah, maybe forever, but I do think like as a safety precaution, probably for the next few years until like they really figure out how these vaccines work and how long they last. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're talking like international travel, I I think that, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are going to feel safer. Right. Virtually. And I mean, they (laughs) also were saying how, for if this is the case, then venues may have to look into maybe upgrading what their current AV situation is so that they yeah, can accommodate amazing. these events. And if they, like maybe there some people are just going to do fully virtual, so they won't need a venue, but then maybe some will be hybrid. So they, these venues that maybe didn't do hybrid events before are going to need to upgrade their AV capabilities and see if they can do it in-house, which could be a little more expensive for them. But opposed to maybe the third party AV, which ends up being a big cost for the people having the event. Um, so we'll see what happens. Interesting. No, it is interesting. I, it's super interesting to me to, to see how like the hybrid and virtual aspects of events are going to involve. And if like, they'll just stick around, but there'll be something completely different than what they are now. You know, it's like, um, restaurants, and, and vendors especially are spending so much money to be able to accommodate things like this. And I can't imagine like, I can't imagine spending so much money on something just to make money for a year. 
you know, know what I mean? Like there's right. gotta be, there's gotta be some longevity to it. So it's, right. it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. So I guess uh, the next thing that we can talk about is um, what makes a planner choose to book with a venue. Um, and we asked the panelists that they were looking for in a venue right now and what makes them choose certain venues over others. Um, and safety was the number one thing that all the attendees says. And it does seem like an obvious answer, um, but it is also like obviously important given the times we're in. So the planners, you know, they want to know that the attendees, venue staff, vendors, and everyone involved in the event are going to be given safety measures and practices in place. So be able to explain like the exact policies and procedures that have been implemented in order to keep everyone safe. So just know what your safety precautions are, know them, you know, forwards and backwards and be able to, to, you know, have your staff know them, have your vendors know them, um, being educated on that, which I think most venue, like venue staff is by now. I mean, it's been a while and they've been actively having smaller events and, you know, in-house or, or outside dining. So I think that most of us should be, you know, pretty, pretty good at reciting what the safety precautions are, but they are ever changing. So the second thing was, was the ability to provide local restrictions to the planner. Um, so every state, city and region has slightly different capacity restrictions based on the phases of reopening that they're in. Um, and it is po impossible for the planners to keep track of all these different restrictions in every place they may be booking events. And even if they're like a small time, a you know, smaller planner, but they have a, a company that is like in Massachusetts, but there's some like triple C, but there's some people in New Hampshire and whether or not they're going to have an event in Massachusetts first, New Hampshire, and it's literally right next to each other, but the, the rules are different. So um, it's really important as a venue um, or even a vendor to know what the restrictions are in your state or city for that matter. So, you know, it's important that the venue can give the planner every detail about venue capacity indoors versus outdoors. If certain activities are allowed, like dancing, um, what distancing or mass regulations have to be and so on and so forth. There's a ton of things that as a venue, you need to keep up on and, um, and understand and know like the changing restrictions and how they affect your events, your events that you've already booked and events that that you haven't booked yet because they're probably going to change by the time like <laughs> let's say you have a corporate event right like oh i booked an event for august great by august everything's going to be different so. right <laughs> so just be on top of it it'll be a full different be, event. <laughs> yeah exactly and be like keeping your clients on top of that knowledge as well so sending out emails and alerting them like hey now the restrictions are this so you can adjust your event a little bit because your event's not until this month or whatever. Right. And the third thing they talked about was um, how have the venues have gotten creative and innovative over the past year. Um, and one of the most important pieces of criteria, according to the panelists, is that they want to be able to hear and see the changes the venue made um, to make the event experience the best it can be in our new normal. So for example, how are you doing food service? Are you doing something creative and how you display and serve food? Is it different from other venues? What about breakout sessions? Like how can we accommodate for those sessions? So just, just knowing like, you know, all the changes you've made and why you've made them and trying to be creative and maybe getting ahead of everything and, and being the first to do something or being better at another venue at doing it. And venues who have upped their game to bring a new creative energy to the table are going to thrive, obviously, at booking events compared to those who don't. And then 
we did ask the ven- the planners what would make you not book at a venue. And they basically said the opposite to the reasons that we just listed, um, but specifically that if they caught um, a venue flat footed. Mm-hmm. So otherwise known as the venue was not seeming confident or prepared. So if they only have the bare minimum set up, they have no real procedures um, or, or don't know what they're talking about when it comes to the regulations and everything that's out there, that would be you know a definite no for the planners. Um, and uh, May Miller, who was Marcus's wedding planner, <laughs> He's based on a ball. I should say Molly's wedding planner because you know Marcus had no hand in planning that beautiful wedding. <laughs> um, but she's based in Boston and she made a point that they are understanding of some restrictions that may be physically out of the venue's control, especially in a city like Boston, um, where there are so many older buildings that cannot necessarily accommodate certain guidelines or changes because, you know, either it's in a historic property or it's a really old building. And I know that Boston's not the only city with those types. Like Philly would be another example of a city like that. Um, So yeah, those are just some of the insights that they had. That was interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing is Mm -hmm. let's talk about some things that planners have been seeing venues do, specifically when it comes to food service, we'll talk about because food service, I mean, it's been such a big topic since last March because venues, Mm -hmm. restaurants, hotels, everyone had to rethink how they're doing food service. So we've been talking about it for a while. People have been doing unique things that we would have never been doing in a pre-COVID world. Uh, So we were asking the planners what they've seen venues do when it comes to service. So Natalie Thomas had talked about how at the weddings that she has at her venue, which is all entirely outdoors, they've still been doing past appetizers at the, at the weddings. So if she was describing how, if a server uh, like holds the food out away from their body, then they can still kind of be six feet apart. I mean, I think Mm. an arm's distance is definitely like you can make that happen. And then she was also saying how at some of these weddings, most guests were family members or others who had kind of been in close contact with one another. So I think as long as the staff was being safe and they didn't really mind if, you know, they were in, they were all in the safe vicinity of one another and they knew each other. It wasn't just, you were like surrounded by strangers. So people felt safe by this method. Um, And then the, the the panel was also talking about challenging buffet service when it comes to food service and food style, the style of service, because yes, buffets are coming in handy, but then the planners are appreciating the venues who kind of take a look to challenge the buffet service and bring a more creative spin to it. So Christy specifically was talking about a venue that had gotten really creative and they were doing uh, like personalized charcuterie cups and they had that set up as the buffet so people could just grab one you it was like a serving for one you had everything you would put on your charcuterie board but it was just the individual portion and so she thought that was something creative that maybe other venues could think of stuff like that like those are the kind of things that they look for when it comes to food service and what you were just saying about being creative and getting ahead of what other people are doing Um, the panelists were also talking about how some venues were just decorating their buffets differently and just trying to make everything a little bit more like decadent and just prettier since everyone, since they still have the masks and the gloves and everything. I mean, I feel like this kind of goes back to March, 2020 conversations, but it's still holding true a little bit now. Uh, and then when the buffet service is happening, there's still a um, employee attending to the buffet and serving it to the guests. So I mean, we've talked about that too in the past, but 
that's just how the style of service is right now. They don't want everyone grabbing things and they want to have someone serving the buffet, but they were also making an interesting point that it kind of slows the buffet down. So just accounting for that as well. Normally when they're like, okay, the buffet is open. Everyone kind of rushes up to the table to grab their food, but now it's kind of, you're not really seeing that. And so that's just an interesting thing. People aren't jumping up. People are kind of waiting their turns and just seeing how it plays out. So that's just something else to keep in mind. Maybe that would impact the rest of the flow of the event. But when it comes to food service, that's what they were talking about specifically. Those are all interesting points. And yeah, I feel like we have talked about some of them in the past, but it's interesting to know that planners are still talking about them right. and still, you know, they're still an issue with them. And so it's important to, you know, it's not over yet, right. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, the next thing that they talked about was budgets, um, which can be, you know, a tough thing to discuss. And mainly it was discussed the corporate, um, on the corporate side, not really the social side. So according to our panelists, um, there haven't been too many budget talks like just yet, and they're not currently planning for the end of the year per se, but they are having open conversations with the management teams and stakeholders. And, um, you know, because they do understand that once things become more clear, like restriction wise and all that stuff, they're, they're basically going to go from zero to a hundred. Um, and there's a chance that the venues will be jam packed and busy and, you know, they'll miss their chance. So venues should make that point clear to their clients, um, that, you know, that things, when things like start rolling again, um, in, in the majority of states, because I know that in some states currently they are rolling again, but that could get pulled back too. It might be too soon. Um, but just to make those things clear to your past clients. So if you have event planners that you worked with in the past, like let them know, um, you may not, your company may not be, you know, looking for, to book a Christmas party or whatever, or whatever it may be, or like, um, a company outing this year. But if like, what if things open and all of a sudden, you know, either your CEO is like, let's go here. And now you can't because there's mm -hmm. nothing left, you know? So, um, just, you know, reaching out to your clients and making sure that they understand that that could happen. Um, and, you know, none of them have heard so far that budgets are going down for events. So that's a good sign for venues, I think. Um, obviously, I think that, you know, I think, yes, a lot of companies lost money during the pandemic, obviously, um, that goes without saying. But there, there also was an entire year of not spending money in a, in a lot of instances, you know what I mean? Like, you know, at Triple C, we're used to um, spending a ton of money on travel and entertainment. And, you know, it's like a huge part of our money goes to that. So of course we made less money than we budgeted for this year, obviously the past year, but we didn't spend any money either. I mean, we did on like, you know, our employees and stuff, basic stuff, but as far as like travel and, um, and, you know, lunch every day, because Triple C usually buys us lunch every day and, um, things that you don't even really think about, um, expenses that you, as an employee, you don't always think about, um, but triple C definitely spends a lot of money on those things. And I think other companies are similar in that, in that way. So, um, you know, so, so there might not be a, a budget that's lower for events next year. It might even be higher. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Just saying, where are we going? <laughs> um, 
And our panelists did mention that they asked some of their partners if their food and beverage costs would go up. Um, and most answers were that the food prices weren't necessarily going up, but that they do have to accommodate for the added time, money on resources and additional staff, like we talked about before with the, you know, like a, um, extra attendance for the, the buffet and stuff like that. Um, and of course, the enhanced cleaning procedures that cost money. So venues um, have to think about relaying these things to their clients and, and just, you know, maybe if you know that moving forward, like for the summer season and, and for the fall and winter, even that your prices are going to go up from what they were before, you need to let planners know that so they can account for it. So being proactive in that way is probably a good idea. Um, because the, you know, it is true that the cost to operate during the pandemic and even like post pandemic, mm -hmm. um, it goes up. So it's important to have open conversations with everyone who's involved about, um, the budget. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Something else mm -hmm. about money that was interesting though that we're on the budget topic was, I can't remember who it was exactly, was talking just about, I think it's been a trend how minimums are kind of not happening right now. And event, right. venues are kind of like, is it more important to have a minimum to try to reach or just to bring in any business at all when it comes to events? So the panelists yeah. were saying that's definitely been something that they've been seeing that venues aren't having the minimums right now. And I think Natalie was speaking on it from her perspective as a venue and then also as a salesperson, how she was saying how they had kind of gotten rid of minimums altogether because of the fact that they had this program that was working with the minimonies and the micro weddings and it was doing right. well, but they were more concerned about making that as best as it could be opposed mm -hmm. to having to figure out the minimums for the events. But they were definitely, sense. it was like across the board, people were saying that it's not going to be like this forever. And it's right. just until like trying to be as flexible as possible to bring in any revenue right now. Well, until events are more happening everywhere all the time. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, it is interesting. I think it's important to like, at like for a venue to remember that point that planners are thinking that and that maybe if you know, like, okay, yeah, we don't have a minimum right now, but we're definitely going to have one starting in the fall, like, mm -hmm. so that they can account for that in their budget. And, you know, and they, and it's just nice to know, I think as a, right. on the planner side of things. Right. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so then in the Q and a section toward the end, one of the questions that I thought was worthy to include would be how planners prefer to be contacted right now by venues. Mm -hmm. So they talked a bit about social media and specifically Instagram Everyone loves to see what venues have been doing on Instagram, uh, specifically like through photos and videos. I think it was May who said how she loves to see just like the photos of examples of what you're doing, like show, not just tell about the changes that you're making, literally like post about it and give an example. And we are all always talking about the power of social media, always so pro social media to show the different ways that you're doing things at your restaurant. Mm -hmm or your venue. And then maybe on the hotel side more, they were talking about connections on LinkedIn and how that could be the place once you find the right people that you're looking for, uh, connecting with them and using your resources and network there as well. And then also keeping updated on the status of your venue and where you are at in all these processes, like Kay had talked about before, just like being transparent about where you are in the reopening process, what you're able to accommodate for. And I feel like I look at this a lot on social media. If we're like, posting about a customer on our event of Instagram. Sometimes I'll include like if they're open right now and if they're taking events or if they're just, or I'll just describe what they're, what they normally offer. But 
it's sometimes some venues don't make it clear if they're actually taking inquiries right now, if they actually have the capabilities to be booking events for the near future, or if it's just kind of further off. So posting about that on social media where you can just making it clear on your website, wherever you need to, that, um, uh, that what you're doing is, is relevant and, and open or not open what you're, what you're up to. And then, um, Oh, the favorite way across the board, I think pretty much was through DMCs, which Kay had mentioned mm -hmm. and talked about before, just having the contacts there. They're all, all of them were very um, well in tune with their local DMCs and CVBs. So like yeah. you said before, that's a great resource. Um, yeah. So all the above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a few like a few more miscellaneous that we had noticed um, listening to the panel. Um, and I thought this one was super interesting was the, the we asked about the proof of vaccination, if those are going to be needed for venues. And I know that this has been in the news like crazy um, and, you know, all over social media, whether you're for it or not for it, <laughs> usually there's a fight involved somewhere. But the corporate side of things, they basically said that they will not require proof of vaccination to go back into the office. So you'll probably like, and from their, their side of things, you'll probably will have to sign a waiver to go into an event, but not thinking that they will require like, proof of vaccination for a corporate event. Um, and social event side, they haven't really seen any requirements for proof of vaccinations quite yet. And, um, but they have done temperature check stations, same as like the restaurant. I mean, I get one when I go get my hair done or anything really, right. they do temp checks now. So, so I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know if that's going to change or what, I don't even know what the rule, like if there's a law for on right. that, you know what I mean? Like how much information can you right. like ask somebody for, right. for an event? I, I have no idea. There's, there's gotta be some type of, there's going to be one Karen that shows up that's like, I'm not doing that. I mean, I, they were comparing it to like flying on an air, like an airplane right now in mm. COVID, how you have to have that waiver that you traveled yep. like in certain states because of those restrictions, they were kind of comparing it to that. If like you're going to an event, maybe you have to sign some sort of waiver just saying you're okay to be here. I don't know if it's like yeah. for vaccination, but it's just, you know, just a classic. Waiver. I think for like, right. And I think for like, really, like if you're talking like corporate side is in like huge conventions and stuff like that, I could mm -hmm. see how that. I mean, that would make me feel a lot safer um, going, you know, going back into a huge convention that has people from all over the world right. attending. I mean, that's really how this spread picked up in the beginning was mm -hmm. the, from a convention like that. So um, I do think that it makes sense. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm all for anything that can help I us agree. open back up and right. start doing things again. Like, I don't care. You want my social security number? <laughs> Here, take it. Can I go to a party? <laughs> I have nothing to hide, nor do I have anything you can steal. So just like, whatever, here you go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think really like something simple like that, if that can, if that can help the industry and also help get people back together again in person, I think it's right. fine. Right. I, I mean, personally, obviously that's a very personal view. <laughs> right. <laughs> One last thing, which I thought was interesting. Someone asked in the panel Q&A about if they thought that there would be a trend in like more activity-based events as opposed to just sitting down now that there's like all this new outdoor space that people are kind of trying to take advantage of and new outdoor structures. And across the board, they were saying, yes, they think that it is, they are seeing an uptick and having an integration of activities now at events. So just kind of getting creative with that outdoor space. I think 
creativity definitely is a key across a trend of what they're trying to say. Like we want to see venues getting creative and what they're doing to show that. And like, even if you just have like games or like a bocce court, if you have like some bowling component, like just anything extra that you can offer uh, is going to be a good thing. And Christy had also said from like the corporate perspective, she was looking at like team building activities that you could do as well. And since everyone's maybe going to start being able to come back together for work again and just be wanting to have those like in-person events opposed to just on Zoom, um, any yeah. sort of team bonding thing that you could offer at your venue in like some sort of activity is, is a plus. So. Sense. Yeah, I think like, you know, I always use us as an example, but I feel like we've always kind of like lean towards those uh, venues that have an extra aspect. Right. So it's not just like all us getting together and getting drunk. Right. <laughs> it's right. gotta be like an activity or an experience. Right. Um, even though we do do that anyway, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that now more than ever, it's definitely an important factor. I mean, we do it even like small scale for meeting a group of friends for drink or something outside and we'll pick a venue that has like, Oh, they have, you know, they have like, um, bag o game or whatever. Right. It's something stupid, but like right. something to offer outside. So yeah, makes yeah. sense. I'd love yeah. to go on a team activity bonding thing with you, Kate. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Maybe ours should be a bar crawl though. So, <laughs> okay, so take the experience out of the drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yep. <laughs> well, I think that was a good episode. And I hope if you guys hadn't listened to the panel on <clears throat> in person, then maybe while you're driving right now and you can't watch it, it's on, yeah. it's on the triple C blog as well. If you'd rather listen to the panelists themselves <laughs> opposed to us yeah. recapping, but I think we did a pretty good job getting, the I think we did a good away. job. <laughs> you don't even have to listen to it. Fine. We did a better job. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, you can always check that out. It's on the blog, triplec.com slash blog. Um, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening as always. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats, your events industry podcast brought to you by Triple Seat the industry leader for event management software. Find out more about Triple Seat at triplesseat.com.